This is an Area Code podcast. You know what? Maybe you should make more Fortnite jokes because then men will... You can you can use us. it as a keyword oh, in, your, in your SEO. This is <laughs> yeah. this is like you could you should just do an entire episode about like Fortnite and the Enneagram just to just to drive up your search <laughs> oh, results. We I should don't... do like a, a men's episode that is oh. all men stereotypes, and it's like, what up, bros? <laughs> Are you wondering what's up with those feelings? I'm on my eighth beer. <laughs> <laughs> Break out the pizza and. <laughs> And the, and <laughs> let's talk about how we relate to chicks. <laughs> Hi, I'm Richard Clark. And I'm Bethany Perkins. We can't stop talking about the Enneagram. So we decided to start a podcast where we get it all out of our system. We're not experts. We're just obsessed. It's No Chill Enneagram. A safe space for Enneagram fanatics. And a really dumb idea for a podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. As you already heard in the intro, my name is Richard Clark, but I wanted to say it again on purpose this time. <laughs> Bethany Perkins. Yes. How's it going? It's going good. How about you? Good. We have uh, a, an awesome guest. I'm tired of saying we have a special guest. We say that every episode and mm-hmm. everyone's special, but this guest is awesome. Yeah. Some of you may know his name. Some of you may not. Some of you may only know <laughs> his last name. <laughs> Whoever you are, we hope you accept him and revere him. His name is Barnabas Piper. Barnabas, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, Richard and Bethany Perk ends. <laughs> you, you nailed it. You did it right. Yeah, that was good. Barnabas, tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, that's the worst question. Just, <laughs> um, I'm going criti- to go ahead and critique your interviewing, Richard. I realize well, you've us, been doing this I have well, nothing but... to prove. I'm pretty confident in my, in your, in my interviewing skills. So but I'm maybe just, you shouldn't be. This is, my, okay. this is my pressure relief valve where I just ask people things like, tell me a little about yourself. Tell us a lot about yourself. How about that? All right. Well, can you be more specific? What's the first thing anyone should know about Barnabas Piper? Yeah. The first thing that I don't, um, that Is I have, what? what? Go What's you your identity in? How, <laughs> where? <laughs> wow. Um, well, okay, fine. A little bit about myself. I'll give you the standard stuff. Um, I work in publishing. I live in Nashville. I have two daughters who are 12 and nine. I suspect they will come up later because my understanding is, that you guys are going to help me through life challenges and Heck being, yeah. oh, being yeah. a parent of two daughters is mm-hmm. a life challenge. I'm a pro. Um, I've been a parent of a daughter for seven months. And so well, I, which is exactly why this seemed like the right place to come to. Cause I know you're raising a small son and a smaller daughter and yeah. it seemed like the perfect place to go for advice. I and I this. have zero kids. So yes. Well then this you are the ultimately right qualified because nobody loves to give parenting advice like those who have no kids. Exactly. I did it on another distance. episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, do, we do it regularly. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. I expect to go away with all my problems solved. You should. Um, what else about me? Uh, you hosted grew- other podcasts. Our podcast I- listeners are podcast listeners. So <laughs> it's true. They I might do. be interested in that. I co-host a podcast called The Happy Rant where we, uh, well, the short version is that we poke fun at ridiculous things that happen in culture, both Christian culture and the broader culture. And occasionally we get serious and thoughtful, but mostly it's tongue in cheek and making fun of things. The Gospel Coalition is a perpetual foil for us. Mm. We, uh, we, uh, we actually talked about them in, I think, the last episode. I'm not sure when it'll go up. So apparently, they're a perpetual happened. foil for a lot of people. They're, they're, sort, of, <laughs> they, they're sort of iron. They're sort of irony by accident, I think, uh-huh. sometimes. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Let's see. We, you know, and then we'll go after your typical megachurch pastors and just kind of all things trendy. You know, when, when pastors in pleated pants cut up Nike gear... Uh, mm. From the pulpit, that's you know that provides good fodder. So that's yeah. sort of the gist of the podcast. We have a good time. I co-host with a guy named Ronnie Martin, who also loves the Enneagram. He yes. takes it. Uh, he's. I, I think he might be. Con- he might be considered obsessed. One of the questions we always ask people when we have them on is, "Who's your dad?" <laughs> I've noticed that from previous episodes that you had <laughs> yeah. scintillating conversations. We're about always other asking dads. that question. My my dad's 
fairly uninteresting. Um, his my my father is John Piper, and uh, so I don't think he would come on the podcast. He may not have heard nah. of the Enneagram. Yeah. Well, that, send that him an email. Pro- he hasn't replied yet. <laughs> just add you know just John Piper at johnpiper.com or something like that. That's just, what it is, isn't it? or yeah. is it J Pipes at John Piper. Johnny P. <laughs> yeah, any of the above. I don't. I don't think he would have any idea. I mean, if you said what's your enneagram number, I think you'd just get the blankest of stares, and it would. It would be. Somewhat he has amusing. to know what the enneagram is, or ha- he has to have heard of it, right? I suspect he's heard of it. If if nothing else, because once again, the Gospel Coalition yes. wrote an article about it. Yeah, it's several, a couple of them. So yeah. we're gonna get back to him and a lot of the other things that we just mentioned. But first, we have to type reviews, guys. And Barnabas, you're gonna help. Yeah, I'll 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 try to pitch in. Unlike you guys, I'm more enneagram curious and interested, and not mm-hmm. I'm not obsessed enough to be um, just quick on the draw. But I'll try. Yeah. Okay. So one of the things we're gonna do while you're here is try- help you figure out if you're a seven or an eight. But in the meantime, let's get started. You want me to do the first one, right, Bethany? No, I want to do the first. You want to do the first one? Go. Okay. One of the best podcasts ever. Five stars from Marzia Pans Brofits too. <laughs> Marzia Pans Brofist too. Okay. Um, I love it so much because they aren't all formal and I feel like I don't have to take notes about it all. I can just enjoy it all and have a nice time listening to the podcast. Five. Thanks, guys. No, fives want to take notes. Um, but who wants to take notes on any other podcast? That was my question. I've never felt compelled to take notes at oh, a podcast. They're like, this one gives me permission not to take notes. I'm like, well, you definitely don't have to ever take notes on podcasts. But would a five find though. one worth listening to that you didn't take notes on? I don't understand the question. <laughs> if, if, I, I understand wouldn't they, it. Wouldn't they just dismiss a podcast that was not worth taking notes while listening to? They'd be like, ah, not worth it. Not worth my time if it's not worth sort of the, uh, the yeah. intentional effort. Yeah, it's you're not learning like that much from us, so maybe I don't think so. it's a five. I think it's somebody who doesn't want to think, so a maybe seven. a seven. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. that, that seems reasonable. No, sevens like thinking. Maybe it's a two. But sevens also like just sometimes you just want to have like hit play and enjoy yourself, have fun. Yeah. Although no seven would be compelled to take notes on anything as far. That was can, yeah. That's right? I'm still stuck on that. What other type would want to take notes on a freaking podcast? That makes no <laughs> sense. Okay. Wow. All right. We're just making this person feel bad. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Yeah. <laughs> Funny Thanks. and informative. Five stars. K. Pallius is the one who did this one. Please pay no mind to the fact that I share the same last name as one as the host. <laughs> I am, I am enjoying the passion with which Bethany and the other guy T. He shares <laughs> insights on the enneagram. Does it need to be capitalized like a city? <laughs> In all seriousness, this is actually very informative. Who knew? <laughs> Sounds like a five. Yeah. Who is that, Bethany? I don't know. You don't know? What? Am I supposed to know? They share the same last name as one of the hosts. Oh. And they seem to know who you are, but not me. I feel like the tee-hee might have been a giveaway that there the was some other sort guy of like tee-hee. inside joke. The I other... really don't know who this is. Okay, I'm going with three. You're just throwing out a number on that yeah, one? let's just go three. I share a last name. This is a puzzle to me. <laughs> okay, we'll talk about it offline. Okay. Uh, go with the next one. This one is a review from a two. Five stars from Mama Perks. That's my mom, if you didn't know. Does, does she also share a last name with one of the hosts? Yep, she does. Perkins. <laughs> That's it. Um, I don't know about a uh, wow. I don't know a lot about the Enneagram, but I do know about entertainment. This does podcast she, really? she does. Wow. Yeah, I mean I'm her daughter, so Oh, that's true. Yeah. Uh, this podcast is informative, insightful, but most of all entertaining. I want more, keep it coming. Thanks, cool. Mom. She's a two. Thanks, Mom. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna do one more and then we'll move on. No chill at all. Five stars from Caitlin1067. That's her pin number. Um, yeah. now, we just, now we just have to track her down and get her debit card. <laughs> exactly. Yep. 
I've had no chill about the Enneagram for a while now. It's gotten bad. I've made all my friends take the test and have essentially appointed myself their personal Enneagram coach. I'm a two classic. It's a spiritual discipline for me to get through a conversation without any anyone without mentioning it. Anyways, blah, blah, blah. Uh, It's all very good (laughs) words, but it's a lot. P.S. I absolutely love the segment. So funny and creative. Bethany and Richard are fabulous co-hosts. Yeah, we are. P.P.S. Enneanum can happen. Thank you. Yes. That's important. Uh, Is it Enneanum or Enneanum? I forgot. It's Enneanum. I like Enneanum, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Speaking of Barnabas, what's your Enneanum? I don't, I'm not sure. I think it's a seven, but okay. sometimes it might be an eight, and so I'm somewhat <laughs> conflicted. Okay. So, so I need help get from, I need help from obsessed people who like to be Enneagram coaches. What do you need from me to help me figure this out? <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you relate to about a seven? Always trying new things. So just mm-hmm. sort of perpetually gravitating sort <clears throat> towards something new. Like if I go to a restaurant and I enjoy it, I don't want to go back there. I want to go mm. try the next one that I might enjoy, yeah. even though I already know that I enjoy the previous one. And I'm completely stumped by people who keep wanting to go back to the same place and order the same thing every time. Those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I rarely read a book twice, even if it's fantastic. If a book has changed my life, I still won't reread it. <laughs> I just... It, it, it did its job. <laughs> now we're on to the next one. It's hard for me to like binge watch Netflix shows because I'll make it about halfway through one episode and want to skip to something else because this one just isn't quite uh, quite engaging enough. So just sort of that, that perpetual trying new things. While I'm not sort of the lighthearted fun in every room, mm-hmm. I do make jokes about everything. Okay. Um, doesn't matter what it is. Um, make jokes at a funeral. It's just <laughs> Some, somewhat of a comp- somewhat of a compulsion of mine. Is it because you do? You, I mean, we're gonna get deep now. Are you avoiding pain when you do this? Is that you think that's the sort of the core reason? I mean, I, I guess that's one way to put it. I like I know that can be a very unhealthy thing. Like if you mm-hmm. refuse to sort of acknowledge or confront or deal with pain, but sometimes like if you're just in a crap a crappy meeting at work, like that's unnecessary pain. So one way to make it go away is to make people laugh. You know, make it more lighthearted. So I guess I'm I'm helping everybody avoid pain in mm-hmm. that instance. Uh, I don't think I don't think as much as I am self aware that I refuse to sort of deal with hard things, which mm. is you know an unhealth an unhealthy seven. Sort of the the refusal to do that. I don't relate a ton to the sort of unhealthy seven inability to sort of stick with things and get things done that's not really an issue for me so when i see when i start reading that kind of stuff about sevens i kind of look at it and go eh, it doesn't sound like me okay so, but barnabas you have to own one of these flaws <laughs> yeah you have to you have to identify with something so is the is the flaw like more of an eight flaw of like you're terrified of being controlled by something mm-hmm I hate being controlled by things. Yeah. That that sounds miserable. Yeah. Like that, I feel claustrophobic saying those words out loud. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. But okay. don't, don't sevens hate that too though? Like they're yeah. sort of, I they mean, both... isn't, isn't that a similarity between the two? Well, so yeah. I, like I have a seven friend and he, he's fine going along with stuff as long as it's like you're doing stuff. He, he's totally fine for other people to make the plans as long as you're doing stuff. Yeah. Sevens don't want to be constrained by other people. Like they just don't want people to get in their way of whatever they're pursuing. Um, eights are more concerned with just power in general. Like... Mm-hmm. Um, and control. See, here's here's what's tricky is I think when I'm when I'm like at work, so I'm when I'm yeah. kind of in that mode, I lean yeah. heavy on the eight side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When I'm just in social life, normal relationship, I lean much more seven. Yeah, that makes sense to me. But Actually, I spend about half of my life doing each, which leaves me somewhat <laughs> confounded. Confused. I feel yeah. like I've heard this a lot from people who tend to lean into a wing when they're at work um, or maybe mm-hmm. vice versa. I don't know. It seems like it would be really sad if you had to lean into a wing for home. 
But yeah. <laughs> please, but don't be your, for me, please don't be your true self at home. That sounds <laughs> oh, awful. Gosh. Nobody wants that from you. Uh, definitely, Jennifer doesn't. Um, I uh, I tend to lean, lean. I try to lean into three when I'm at work, but it's I'm really bad at it. Unfortunately, <laughs> I'm trying to get better. That's <laughs> something I've been trying to cultivate. Is my wing? Are you optimistic? Do you reframe things? Do you reframe negatives into positives? I'm not pessimistic, meaning like I don't always just sort of go, "Oh, this is the worst." Well, you know, there's no solution to this. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sort of like a peppy optimistic. That's one of the things about seven that I don't relate to. Like the person yeah. who's just sort of perpetually buoyant. Mm-hmm. I'm more just like perpetually steady, and so. If there's a negative, I'm going to bring it to steady. And if there's, but if there's somebody who's like bouncing off the walls, I'm probably going to bring them down a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not the, yeah, I'm not the life of the party seven. Anytime I see seven described as life of the party, I just kind of want to go away from that person. Mm-hmm. They annoy me. Okay. Dang. Sorry, sevens. <laughs> Barn hates you. Yeah. Well, no, just, there's... just that one kind. Yeah. Is that all sevens? And so I'm not one? Is that I what mean, we determined? I mean, kind of. Well, they don't. I mean, they don't. Well, the seven with an eight wing is described as the realist on the Enneagram Institute. See, I would like to describe myself that way, but that sounds so pretentious. No, you're an optimist. You're a pessimist. I'm realistic. Like I'm the one who has a grip of reality. Oh, we all feel that way. Well, you think that's pretentious? The eight with a seven wing is described as the maverick. Which, yep, that sounds that sounds like somebody I'm not a big fan of either. <laughs> it does, but also it kind of sounds like you, Barnabas, a little bit. Okay, so somebody I'm not a big fan of that that could also fit. I don't know that I would that like me totally if I met me. That is totally how the enneagram works. FYI, you're probably right. the number you hate the most. Yeah, whichever one makes you like cringe when you hear it. Yeah. See, maybe this is the realest in me, but none of the numbers made me cringe. There was some of them that I was like, well, that's clearly not me because mm-hmm. there's just nothing in common at all. Yeah. Like like a six or a nine, just nope, not even a little bit. Mm-hmm. But uh, but the others I looked at and I was like, yeah, I kind of see myself in some of the positives and some of the negatives. Yeah. You know, like the ne- like the negative side of three I looked at and I was like, oh, I've definitely been there. You know, mm-hmm. that that's that that's been me. So. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't I don't have a visceral reaction to Enneagram numbers. I can look at some of the negatives and go, that's yep, I definitely see that and and then on the, the the healthy side I look at that and I go, I mean, I hope so. That that looks good. <laughs> How angry are you? <laughs> right now. Like this this very moment because this, of this show. Yeah. You know, on a scale of one to ten, like a you know, two point three right now, so we're doing okay. Oh. Um no, like in life I don't I'm, I'm not a terribly angry person. I don't get yeah. real angry. That's okay. one of the things about eights, like the sort of heated, explosive, controlling kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, my kids might say otherwise, but I think every parent has to be an eight towards their kids hmm. um, at some times. True. Maybe, ju- maybe just when they're uh, preteens. Um, that is true. I have been an eight <clears throat> to my kid. Yeah, I mean, well, you have to control a child because otherwise they do insane and stupid things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I'm not, I don't like I don't go through life angry and intense that way. Mm-hmm. I don't think there, there there could be somebody listening who works with me who's rolling their eyes right now and being like that Jack Wagon has no idea anything about himself. So yeah, that's a possibility. Okay. Uh, what number would use the word Jack Wagon? <laughs> That's I didn't know question. if I'm allowed to swear on this podcast, so I didn't. So you uh, said Jack Wagon. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so think Bethany, about... Bethany, we have to choose one for him. Okay, cause... I just have one more question, Okay, I hope. What are you like when you are the most stressed? Yeah, what's like your coping mechanism? I just sort of... I, I become really unproductive in terms of... like I just sort of ping pong between things. So instead of being able to sort of cool-headedly manage whatever life is throwing at me, which mm-hmm. is the way I am most of the time, um, I you know I, I bounce between things, whether it's tasks at work or like, getting just anything, or I my my wheels just spin in my brain trying to figure out what to do next, which means I'll is. sit I'll sit there for like thirty minutes doing nothing, That's which true. is a, an utter waste of time. That's a that's a five is what he's describing. So that's he's an, what I'm hearing too. He's an eight going to five in stress. And when yeah. you're when you're healthy, you probably are very like giving towards others. Um, I and hope so. Loving towards others and empathetic, like empathetic, empathetic, protective. All that stuff. 
Mm, I don't Does think anybody sound... has ever used those words, <laughs> at least not regularly, towards me. Okay. Or about me, I should say. But but yeah. when you're healthy, like maybe you're thinking about other people more than yourself. That I hope is true. I certainly mm-hmm. try. Yeah. <laughs> Wait. So am I an eight then? Is that is that is that I what we that's decided? That's what we're leaning towards. That's been okay. my hunch all along. That I has been my right. hunch all along too. <laughs> I'm not opposed to either of them. I just wasn't right. sure. And here's well, the reason. Here's the, like the big picture reason for me, Barnabas, is like people who write and people who do projects that are creative, and you you are one of those people, tend to like gravitate towards the thing they're about. And I feel like challenging is a little bit what you're about, and to some mm-hmm. degree. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm relatively contrarian. Yeah, just in kind of anything. Right. Right. Yeah. Kind of the alternative p- perspective to whatever is presented to me. Yes. Here's the other very, very subjective uh, <laughs> reason I think you're an eight. I get a feeling when I'm around eights. It's not a negative feeling. <laughs> it's just a particular like feeling. You have like an eight spidey sense? I do, yes. Yeah. And, and more than any other number. And I definitely get that from you. No what question. Is, I mean, at the risk of getting real personal real fast, what is yeah. that feeling? What it do is I, what do I make like you a feel? Warm, fuzzy feeling. <laughs> No, no I think I know what you're saying. It's almost like, um, oh, I got to uh, get on this person's good side real quick. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. that like, feeling. Like, but that sounds intimidating. Yes. Um, there's an element of intimidation. Wait, and I think intimidating. You, that sucks. Well, I think if you asked around, you'd find that, that other people, some people might be intimidated by you on occasion. Mm-hmm. Well, now we've settled on that aspect of you are a number that you don't like. I'm not. Ex- a, yeah, I, I like, your reaction I is making me so happy right now because this is what it should be. <laughs> this, this is, is what, what we it is look like. for. Uh, yeah, intimidating. What well, people who are intimidating on purpose are the worst. I don't think I try, but like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, you're you're not that. You're I not that. I'll tell you how I feel about like the eights in my life. I mm-hmm. haven't like talked to you, Barnabas, for long enough to say how I feel directly about you. But we'll get there at the end of that. <laughs> yeah, by the end. We'll revisit this. <laughs> no, I feel like a little bit scared, but also safe. Yeah. That's how I feel around the eights in my life. Like they are intense. They are they can be intimidating. I am not intimidated by them because I know them. But yeah. It's just this feeling of like this person is a force. That puts intimidation in a very positive light. I'll take it. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> so I'm so I'm an eight. Is that that's that's what, what? that's what the experts we're going with the eight wing sure. seven. Um, our next segment is called "Why Don't Men Like the Enneagram?" <laughs> or our podcast. <laughs> yes, Barnabas. I have a question. Take I'm it listening. away. Why don't men like the Enneagram or our podcast? That would be a good name for a segment of this podcast. You should. I know. Um, it why? makes me a little sad and not really uncomfortable. I'm fine with it, but I just want a more diverse audience. Mm-hmm. And since you're our first like real, um, not real <laughs> <Okay>. dude. <laughs> no, our first you can't like say that. our first episode where we only had a dude is what I'm trying okay. to say. Okay. Fred because Rogers we've didn't had count. We <laughs> he he didn't show up. We waited forever. I know, we just that had to was do it so without annoying. him. Yeah. Um. And then, uh, but we've had like uh, Jesse Eubanks on, but he was part of a co-hosted thing with <laughs> Samantha. And then is, who else? We had your dad on, Bethany. <laughs> yep, we had and my we dad. Had Atticus on. <laughs> <laughs> what? But we had number? Alan. Atticus's number. He doesn't have one yet. Gotcha. Are we he's just, a little boy. Is there like an age of accountability for Enneagram? Like 19. You, <laughs> <laughs> 20, 25 for men because that's when their frontal lobe Ooh, is fully yeah, formed. Yeah, it should oh, be 25 right. for men. Oh, snap. No. Do you want to know the real reason why I say that? Yes. <laughs> it's because my dad is a psychologist and he said that personality is not developed fully until 19. Wow. At least. Yeah. I think I became a four fully when I was about 32. What? Isn't that weird? But I think it's true. That could have a lot to do with, back to the original question, why men don't like the Enneagram. Yes, why is that? Wait, what's the reason? 
because they're well, immature. I mean, it, it took you. It took you until you were well <laughs> into adulthood to sort of, you know, fully become a four or fully recognize that you were. That's that's a lot of adulthood where you're either not self-examining, you're yeah. not processing things, you're just sort of. Guys do a lot of just sort of meandering through life and getting things done. Not that's a lot true. of yeah. recognition of emotions or feelings or processing anything of depth. Um, mm-hmm. And even the guys who think they're processing things of depth are like seminarians who are processing theology. So it's all, mm-hmm. there's sort of a, there's like a, a Which is a total aspect. dodge, I've noticed. Have oh, you yeah. noticed that? <laughs> oh, there's, there are so many guys who are, who are, you know, sort of ace experts at something yeah. who are, you know, sort of emotional or relational cretins and, or just children, you know, and when it comes to that. Mm. And so I, I think that has a lot to do with it. Imagine walking up to your average, like, 27-year-old guy and going, how do you feel about whatever? Mm-hmm. Like, they're just going to kind of make I a joke out of it. I don't know. I constantly you, am doing that. You're asking 27-year-old guys how they feel about things? I mean, I think so, yeah. <laughs> well, that's good. I Someone think it's should. becoming more accepted. But it's not the norm for guys yeah. to respond well to that stuff. And, you know, if you know them well, it's an entirely different thing, too. That's true. Yeah. But, I mean, I I think the Enneagram is, is a, you know, being invested in it is a perpetual investment at sort of picking yourself apart. Yep. At some, you know, at, at, at a pretty deep level. Yeah. And that is not a thing that your average man enjoys. As we've mm. just seen. Well, here's the thing. I, I don't necessarily enjoy the process. I really appreciate the results. So yeah. I've learned I've learned to appreciate what comes about through uncomfortable introspection. Sure, yeah. But again, not not at twenty one or twenty three. It was, you know, late twenties, early thirties that that became something that I was more comfortable with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um or or at least more appreciative of. Yeah. Um you know, I'm okay with learning that I suck at something now because I, because it's inevitable. And so may as well figure out what it is so I can figure out how to respond well to it. Yeah. Um, but at, you know, at 25, I would have just been defensive or deflecting or something like that. Okay. Well, let's type people in things and, and we're going to start with your dad. Yeah. All right. Uh, what number is your dad? So you guys pegged him pretty, I think pretty quickly as a one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think Which, what we were doing is more like typing all reformed <laughs> right. reformed leaders as yeah. like classic ones basically. So, so here's here's what I think here's where here's where you you guys got sort of tricked. Yeah. All reformed preaching is one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, reformed preachers preach as ones even if they're not. It's, totally. It's the yep. way of it's the way of expression and articulating mm-hmm. theology and arguing and you know leaving no gaps and it's just this airtight systematic mm-hmm. thing yep which leaves you to believe that they then are a one but i think you guys type tim keller as a five mm-hmm. my dad and tim keller are real similar in that mm-hmm. my dad's louder when he preaches but in terms <laughs> like he doesn't he he could go hole up in his study for like 82 straight days studying working researching whatever and like as long as somebody delivered like Coke Zero and grape nuts to him twice a day, oh he would gosh. he wouldn't he wouldn't even notice there was no humans around. Oh my gosh! Man, we've all been there though. Haven't I've I know, never it's, it's... been there. <laughs> so I I think he's a I think he's he's a five when it comes to just like even when you get into a conversation with him and he gets into like the deep background meanings. Of, of anything yeah. and just sort of like the the deep dive analysis yeah. of bloody everything like addicted to knowledge and uh we and, yeah i mean and he's, and he's whatever 72 years old which means it's just instinctive to him now like he's not even trying that's right. just like the one yeah. gear he has yeah um yeah. so it's yeah, he's. I think he's. I think he's pretty clearly a five, mm-hmm. but then he gets in the pulpit and he's a screaming one. Yeah. Well, and also fives go to eight on in growth, which yeah. w- would also make a little bit of sense. Like when he's getting in the pulpit and he's feeling like he's in his element, maybe. Yeah. But yeah, I mean that that's sort of his one kind of emotional outlet. 
mm. you know, in terms of in terms of like bold expression of anything, because he's he lives a pretty scholarly life. Otherwise, not a lot mm. of room for screaming, yelling, shouting, gesticulating, etc. Um, and my mom wouldn't have it if he tried that at home. So, um, so yeah, he's he's a he's a five who who goes one in the pulpit. Yeah, I'm sure you're used to it by now, but that must have been a weird experience to see your five dad get up in the pulpit and then just like get super passionate all of a sudden. I I didn't realize it was weird until other people started like they sort of responded to him in person expecting Uh him to be this sort of huge personality Uh and he's a really retiring personality he's an extreme (laughs) he's an extreme introvert who's like soft-spoken and just doesn't love social interaction very much yeah Mm -hmm. and so you know when there's these sort of hyper fanboy types who are trying to engage with him. It was always a second like nature show. You just sit back and, and watch. I just, you know, <laughs> wish I could get like David, David Attenborough like to, to do the, uh, to do the voiceover on it. But <laughs> yeah, that that's when I realized like, Oh, the impression he gives to everybody is that that's him a hundred percent of the time. The, mm. the super intense preaching guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we assumed as much. <laughs> so, <laughs> But yeah, I think that we could probably apply that to a lot of the people that we talk about. Like, we're typing like their public persona. Totally. What we've seen of them. Who knows? Like Larry the, the Cucumber, for instance. Like didn't, Larry didn't you the have cucumber. a reviewer who just raked you guys over the coals for getting that one wrong? Yes, yes we did. That Party makes me penguin. happy. Not that you got it wrong. I don't even know if you did, but just that a, that a listener cared enough <laughs> to correct you about that. In the same breath as like real criticisms. <laughs> <laughs> that was the most amazing part about it was that it was like, and also Larry the Cucumber is not a two, idiots. Yeah. yeah. I will say I've never had the experience of wanting to type a fictional character. Really? Like the, never. That that well, that I guess that that shows that I'm not sort of next level obsessed. You're not well, we'll insane make you like, like us. <laughs> yeah. You're gonna go a step beyond typing fictional characters. We're gonna type. I'm gonna den- write an enneagram novel. <laughs> We're gonna type denominations. That's our next segment. Here's how this is gonna work. People are gonna blurt out denominations, and then we're gonna <laughs> and then we're gonna talk about what type they are. Ooh yes. So, uh, Barnabas, you can blurt out some denominations. Uh, at the risk of losing my job, the Southern Baptist Convention. Yes. The Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, I'm going to go three on this one because Ooh, they want everyone this. to know how many. They're like the foremost denomination. They're always talking about how they're the biggest denomination. Yeah. That's true. And how many baptisms they have, and how much su- missions super, they super ha- do. numbers driven. That's yes. true. Offering yeah. this, all and metrics. That yes. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I can all see success that. oriented. Now, now describe an unhealthy three, just so that we can oh, we can flush this yes. out a little bit. Good idea. I almost did that with your dad, but decided not to. Oh shoot! Go for it. No. <laughs> That's just not cool. He should be in the room if we're going to do that. Um, number s- uh, seven, unhealthy level. Fearing failure and humiliation. They can be mm. exploitative and opportunistic. <laughs> Covetous of the success of others and willing to do, quote, whatever it takes to preserve the illusion of their superiority. This huh. is amazing. I'm dying right now. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just going to make affirming sound effects huh. and, and not speak to that at all. <laughs> That's but, okay. Hmm. You don't have to. Hmm. All right. I think we <laughs> nailed that one. What? Yeah, uh, what's? What about charis? Let's just go charismatics, right? Like, yes. like, like a good old conservative, like, like the Assemblies of God. Yeah. Okay. Charismatic. What do we think? Right. Hmm. You could see four, maybe six. I'm going six. Okay. Six is the number that leaves me the most confused. So uh, it's a very confusing number. Yeah, they are confusing. puzzle that one out for me a little. I mean, charismatics also confuse me, so that could that could be a fit. But uh, flesh this well, one out a little bit. For no, me. I'm reading about them. And I'm going like, never mind. You're reading about what sixes or yeah. <laughs> he's, Maybe he's looking the up the assemblies of God. Website it is the right enthusiast. Now. It's the seven, right? Mm-hmm. I I think so because very exper- very experience driven. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. They fear being deprived and in pain. Uh, health and wealth, anyone? <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Not that every charismatic is a health and wealth, but it definitely right. kind of, you know, it's tied in. Let's read about the um, unhealthy level. This is a good idea, Barnabas. Yeah. <laughs> um, desperate to quell their anxieties can be impulsive and infantile. Do oh, not geez. know when. Do not know that when. That could to actually stop. apply to like fourteen different denominations. Oh, yeah. that's true. Addictions and excess take their toll. Debauched, depraved, dissipated, escapist, offensive, and abusive. Ooh. That was harsh. <laughs> yeah, that, to be, sadly, that could also apply to several denominations. But the one above says, "Get into the level six says get into conspicuous consumption, all forms of excess, self-centered, materialistic, greedy, never feeling they have enough, demanding and pushy, yet unsatisfied and jaded, addictive, hardened, and insensitive." Oh my gosh! Whoa! I feel like that we're offending dark. people now. Yeah, yeah. We did. Um, let's talk about our denomination so we can we can t- be equal opportunity here. I guess we already did mine and Barnabas's. You did yours. Okay. What well, is yours? What's your denomination? Freaking Bethany? non-denominational. Uh, four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's... Four. Is, I mean, well, four, four is like the, the anti-label, right? Like, yeah, that's true. Don't define me. Yeah. But, I mean, it's that's, got non right in the name. What's funny is my church is, it's non-denominational. However, we are part of North American Baptist. However, my pastors have an Assemblies of God background. Wow. So it's just weird. Yeah, that sounds so like yeah, a four. So yeah, it's a four. Let's, let's see unhealthy. Speaking of weird, how about <laughs> the PCA? PCA. Oh yeah, I was going to suggest Presbyterians. That's like one, right? It's either one or six in my opinion. I'm just thinking of like all of the big mega um, Could Presbyterian churches I know. Could Ooh, be a five. Yeah. Ooh, I well, like that. Because PCA is the, PCA is the. I mean, there's like PCUSA, and they they tend to have the large. Like PCA does not have very many big churches. It's the smaller, like super right. conservative. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's one or five. <laughs> kind kind of like all the reform people we talked about earlier. <laughs> Here's the unhealthy five. Become reclusive and isolated from reality, eccentric hmm. and nihilistic. <laughs> Highly unstable and fearful of aggressions. They reject and repulse others and all social attachments. That's called okay. the frozen chosen. <laughs> I was gonna what? Say, the frozen chosen. It's the uh, the PCA slogan that they don't mm. that they don't claim. <laughs> I wanna I feel like I wanna say they're Fives because I went to a Presbyterian college and studied theology, but I reject all of the unhealthy things. Well, I mean, it's just saying if that denomination was unhealthy, yeah, right. that's it, what they'd it, it be like. That way. Yeah. It just so happened that it seemed really accurate for Southern Baptists. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Who's next? Uh, we just did mine. Non-denom- we did all the denominations. It sounds like there's <laughs> only seven denominations. But also, mainline could be nine. Just all mainline? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, let's look at unhealthy nine and see if it sounds like mainline. Can be highly repressed, undeveloped, and ineffectual. Feel incapable of facing problems. Become obstinate, disassociating self from all conflicts. Neglectful and dangerous to others. You know yeah. who's a nine? Who? Quakers. Ooh, eat it, Quakers. Pacifists. <clears throat> yeah, yeah that makes sense. That's, that's pretty spot on. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, we did what about, mainly. What about the Catholic Church? I realize Ooh. this is risky because when we start reading unhealthy things about the Catholic Church, it can get <laughs> ugly fast, but right. yeah. I figured I'd put them out there. Catholics? It's not the Reformer? <laughs> or it is the Reformer? No, it's not. <laughs> uh, no. I feel like because Catholics are so, they're so like authority oriented and like hierarchical, mm, like six. maybe a six. Yeah. Interesting. So I explain like that. six to me. That's yeah. like, I get all the other numbers generally <clears throat> six. I cannot get my head around. So sixes are loyalists. They they they're all everything they do and think is situated against authority around authority figures so they're either like really trusting and reliant mm-hmm. on authority figures or mm-hmm. they have gone uh attack mode attack mode against authority <laughs> figures distrusting questioning because they trust authority figures so much when they are let so down like they're furious and done yes 100% yeah okay yeah, yeah. Th- I, that that makes sense. That gives me like I I think I get it now. That 
That yeah. does sound fairly Roman Catholic to me. It's all about safety and security for sixes. So when they feel uh, safe and secure with an authority, they fall in line. If they don't, they can become, uh, I don't know, distrusting or aggressive towards authority. Got it. Yeah. Level seven. Level seven. <laughs> Number six, fearing that they have ruined their security, they become panicky, volatile, and self-disparaging with acute inferiority feelings. Seeing themselves as defenseless, they seek out a stronger authority or belief to resolve all problems. Highly divisive, disparaging, and berating others. Yeesh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man. This has been the world's oh. most darkest <laughs> segment. Yeah. Of Everybody wants to go to church now, right? Isn't that how this, this how played out? <laughs> yeah, we just made the church sound Yeah, awesome. if you're not a Christian, uh, I'm sure we've just sold you on Christianity. Because I'm a Southern Baptist, I'm going to read the healthy level three. Self-accepting, interdirected, and authentic. Everything they seem to be. Modest and charitable. Self-deprecating. Self-deprecatory humor and fullness of heart emerge. Dental and benevolent. That's my church. <laughs> okay. Good. I actually know churches like that, so that, that that's, that's pretty fitting. Totally. There. We saved it, guys. Yeah. The Southern <laughs> no, nothing, Baptists are saved. Nothing like throwing in a little good news at the end of that <laughs> fire and brimstone. <laughs> All right. Well, that was not as fun as I thought it would be. Um, here's a fun one. Let's play nine ways to object to the Enneagram. We're going to go around the room on this one, and we're going to take turns talking about. So the reason we did this is because, Barnabas, you were pointing out that you really like like um talking about i don't know what we, you really like talking about how people always like object to things i just am fascinated by the what's the word the resistance to the enneagram like there, yeah. there are people who just buck against it like it's mm -hmm. a threat yeah yeah and it's fair it is a threat how does a one object to the enneagram so we all know these people right the people who uh, objective the Enneagram because like they're like I think that's stupid and mm -hmm. you can usually tell what number they are based on how they object to it and yeah. I think we've determined on this podcast that they're usually fives or nines but <laughs> in my opinion any number can object to the Enneagram yes so let's talk about what those numbers do when they do object to them and that way you can type your unwilling friends at home <laughs> I have I have a one in mind who has objected to the Enneagram to mm -hmm. me for a long time. And her reason is that there isn't like a right answer. Like when she was taking an Enneagram mm. test, she was just agonizing over all the questions because she was like, well, I think that's the right answer, but I should I say how I feel or just the right thing? And so the right yeah. answer is like what she should be doing or like yes. oh, how she how she should yeah. act in a situation. Yeah. That yeah. Makes yeah. Sense. But there really aren't like right answers, I suppose. In yeah, the Enneagram, that, it is all very subjective. Yeah, because I feel like like a, a particular, like an average one would just have this assumption that everyone should be like a one. Mm hmm. So obviously they'd look at an Enneagram and go like, wait, why are all these flawed personality types? Mm -hmm. in here with the one yeah what's the point of that <laughs> yeah is the one the well actually guy or is that be like we're more like a five the, the one who's sort of the or. you know you, you bring both. something up and they're like well actually i think it could be both yeah it could be both some ones are more like uh morally or ethically um perfectionists mm -hmm. you know uh we had dl mayfield as a guest and she's not much of a well actually person then again, there's an element of well, actually, to her. Like, <laughs> like she wouldn't be able to leave it alone if she heard someone saying, like, I'm putting my kids in private school for totally good reasons. She mm -hmm. would be able, she would want to, like, say well, actually, to that. For yeah, sure. ones, ones have an impulse, like, to correct. <clears throat> if something's wrong, they have to correct it. Fives, we Does talked about. Does anybody like ones? <laughs> I love ones if they're healthy. Um, if they're healthy, it's yeah. if they stick to editing. Well, <laughs> no, I mean if they if they devote themselves to a cause, it's pretty inspiring, to be honest. Yeah. 
I can see that. Okay. I was mainly, I don't love people who compulsively correct. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's annoying. Frustrating. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta bring that in check. I think, mm-hmm. I think to object to the Enneagram because they're not comfortable thinking about themselves mm. alone that yeah. much. Okay. All right. Does that seem right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think it, yeah. It, <laughs> are you so <sound laughs> convicted, Bethany? <laughs> yes. Well, that, does that hit the, a little close to home? It does. Maybe? This is, well. <laughs> this is awesome. Go ahead. Yeah, I've just realized this whole podcast, you've been talking about other people and never yourself. So let's hear about it, Bethany. Tell, tell, tell me about that. Okay, well, first of all, it's not an it's not something that made me object to the Enneagram. Obviously, sure. I love it. I'm obsessed. Yeah. Um, but the I think probably the bigger thing of why I love the Enneagram is because I like to use it to help other people. And yeah. the part of it that has forced me to look at myself and work on things inside myself is the really painful like hard part of it that I don't like as much. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So Barnabas, what about number three? The Enneagram forces you to confront your what you're bad at yeah. and your failings, your weaknesses. And yeah. that's like the three's worst nightmare is mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> is sucking at stuff. So uh or or being exposed as being bad at things. And it is so I, I think it's if if they're going to reject it, it's because the it's that. Uh so yeah, they just they don't want anything to do with being exposed as having character flaws or weaknesses mm-hmm. or failings or you know kind of whatever it exposes. Yeah, there's an interesting distinction here because I realize this has morphed into nine reasons people <laughs> reject the enneagram yeah, as opposed as to opposed nine, nine ways. Ways. Yeah. So what what does the two say? What does the two say? Yeah. Or or did we just did we do all of them that way? What do you did mean? we do the the, Sorry. the two would the two would deflect to someone else. The I mean, two it's would de- yeah. In, in a, that's exactly right. Yeah, in a yeah. Like in a really helpful way. Mm-hmm. But in but it would be a you know the question comes in and they're like, well, what about you? Kind of thing. And so it's just sort of like a you're just going to ping pong this right back out uh, yeah. towards somebody else. But again, with the <laughs> with a good intention, but also a self protective one. And then the three would. I'm I'm a little stumped on the three. How would the three get out of this? They just don't have time for it. Well, oh, that's. <laughs> Freaking brilliant! <laughs> but also, like the the three is also the three can be whatever is demanded of them, which means there's a bit of a chameleon aspect. So they can tap dance around the weaknesses until yeah. they're pinned down. It's like that's I I resonate with threes a lot. Uh, as you know, as I was figuring out what I was, I landed on either seven or eight, but three was in, was in the running. Right. And uh, yeah, that ability to sort of be whatever is demanded of you and sort of show a different face to different people. Hmm. There's a lot of that. So it's, it's sort of a, it's almost just hiding where yeah. you just reveal different aspects of yourself in different situations. Yeah. Bethany, what about a four? I feel like this is pretty easy. Why fours? Okay. Fours. Well, I'm assuming a four would be like, don't put a number on me. Yeah, exactly. They would be like, I'm not one of these nine things. I'm like a special one. Yeah, I'm tripped up because fours freaking love the Enneagram. <laughs> like, That's true. We have They s- do, but not all of them. I don't think, yeah. I mean, I feel like I know fours who aren't like crazy about it. And I think one of the reasons is because they are they are definitely uncomfortable being quote unquote put in a box. Mm-hmm. But, but a disproportionate number of people who are crazed about the Enneagram are fours. Correct, yes. yes. Because fours love feelings. Yep. Yeah, that's totally. And, 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 and the Enneagram... Yes. Yeah. Navel yeah. gazing. Um, exactly. And uh, and the enneagram is all about that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Um, I'm five, I guess. So I've seen this in action a lot. Fives basically study it to death to the point where they get all mind boggled about like <laughs> they get caught up in the stuff that doesn't match, and they just like they're like drawing diagrams of like. <laughs> Of like how this doesn't sync up with this, and like, you know, like they they inevitably find something in the in the number that they think they are that they're like, no, see, not this, and then they they just overthink it. Basically, yeah, unless mm-hmm. unless it's a hundred percent accurate match, it's just the, the data the data isn't there to prove yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's not it's not science, right? Like, wasn't that your dad? Isn't he a five? 
Yes. Yeah, your dad was very much like it's not scientific. Yeah, he that called, was his argument. He called the Enneagram unsciencing science. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Which is exactly what Joe Carter said. Mm-hmm. There you he, go. He said there is no scientific basis for this because right. I saw him. I saw him in in a Twitter interaction with like Mike Cosper, I think it was. Uh-huh. Who's, he he likes the Enneagram. I'm yeah. guessing he's a four because he's creative. No, um, he's a five. He's a five. Actually. Is he a, really? Yeah. I mean, I can see that, but I would have guessed four. But okay. But yeah, they had an interaction and, and almost verbatim, he said there is. You know, it's not based in science. There's no scientific. You know, there's no scientific root for this, which yeah. I'm assuming just means no sort of like. The, the trial and error, mm-hmm. uh, you know, prove it without a shadow of a doubt mentality. I find, I think that's just a little bit funny for anybody who um, also mm-hmm. believes that we're made in the image of God. And right. Yeah. God <laughs> yeah. is also not really scientifically provable. Yeah. Indeed. But anyway. <laughs> and I don't know a more five or five than Joe Carter anyway. Like that dude <laughs> that's is true. <laughs> super five. He's like, yeah, he's like five plus. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Five wing five. Um, <laughs> all right, number six, Barnabas, go for it. Now that you know what that is, uh, yeah. six. I I know what it is, but I don't have a keen enough sense of like how they. Re- I feel like they just respond by being nervous about stuff. Like, okay. yeah, there's just sort of a fearful response to things, which is I'll, why they gravitate I towards can... those with more authoritative voices. Yeah, I'll tell you what they do is they go point at Joe Carter's article. I was wondering about that. Like, so, so if if they read if they read a really good book about the Enneagram first, they would point at that from if, someone they trusted as an authority figure, right? Mm-hmm. If, yep. if, but if they read the Gospel Coalition thing and they look at that whole Gospel Coalition thing mm-hmm. for guidance as as their voice of authority, they would go. But they say totally yep. okay, or yeah. they just they never feel like they can find their number because they just. <sighs> literally don't trust the system or don't trust themselves to figure it out so they're oh, just that's like true. i yeah. just can't i it, i can't find my number i don't know is yep. the six the most unsatisfying number <laughs> that's the one that i really didn't want to be when i read the description you mean the them, most unsatisfying to have yeah to like be a six like that that's the one that i looked at i was like oh that's depressing I feel like a common story is people who didn't want to be sixes and finally just gave in and said, fine, I'm a six. Mm-hmm. So I think the answer is maybe yes. But um, no, any of them, no let us sixes. know. Are you a six that's happy to be one? I actually have grown to love sixes. And we've talked about this a lot on the show. Um, and we'll talk about it more. But um, yeah, sixes are awesome. Mm-hmm. But you just have to dig for it. It's a little, it's a little deeper, yes. I think. Than the typical like, oh, I'm an eight, I fight people or whatever. Mm-hmm. Big deal, you know. guys. Hey, I'm a four. <laughs> I'm so deep because I'm a four and I care about only myself. Yeah. Sixes are deeper than that. The big thing about sixes is that they're brave um, because they allow themselves to think through all of the terrible things that could happen to you and everyone else. Um, and so that... That is a pretty honorable thing because a lot of people just ignore those Mm -hmm. possibilities. And sixes allow themselves to live in that reality where those Hmm. things are possible. And they make, they keep everyone alive as a result. I like being kept alive. So thank you, sixes. Yeah. Yay, sixes. They're the ones who make guardrails on the (laughs) bridges. Yes. Um, All right. What's next? Seven. Seven. Bethany. Sevens, I feel like it's pretty obvious why sevens would not be too interested in the Enneagram. Yeah, super, yeah. Yeah, because uh, it's deep and it's emotional. And and literally the problem of sevens is that they do not like to face pain and discomfort. <laughs> and that is what like the Enneagram is. <laughs> it's like face so, yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So the way they reject it is basically saying, this is boring. Yeah, yep. They would just they would find a distraction. Yeah, yeah, this is not fun. Yeah, I'm gonna go ride roller skates instead. <laughs> ride roller skates. <laughs> or Perfect. roller skate. Yeah, yeah. Sevens on roller skates. That's uh, mm-hmm. that's a. It's the perfect distraction. It is. <laughs> um, eights would just like beat the crap out of the guy. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, if, to... yeah, they would just sort of berate it for being yeah brute force. I mean, it, the thing is, they they would they would take all of the other responses. I feel like and just be like, they just pick whichever one they're feeling at the moment. Like, I don't have time for this. Just You're wasting my time. Them. Your argument doesn't make any sense. Um, I'm on my way to somewhere else. Like, whatever it is, mm-hmm. don't tell me what to do. Don't they put would a just use it like a like a two by four, just <laughs> slamming <laughs> that person upside the head with it. Yeah, yeah. just a sort of a verbal uh, beat down and go. I love it. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> what about nines? Peacemaker. Well, I feel like a nine and a four are going to respond somewhat similarly, but pointed in different directions. So the four is like, don't label me. The nine is like, don't label anybody. Oh, that's like, a good point. Don't don't yeah. don't try to like don't box people in. Don't limit people. Don't point out their way. Like it, that's an uncomfortable thing, and it and it causes conflict. Like oh, yeah. Joe wrote yeah. an article, and now we're all mad at each other. That's that's oh, not yeah. a happy it's occurrence. It's not worth it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And plus, nines are the ultimate like not knowing themselves. So, I feel like. That might not be appealing, this thing that forces you to look inside yourself and deal with all your stuff. Yeah, I read that nines like particularly uh, evade when it mm-hmm. comes to that kind of thing with the mm-hmm. Enneagram. Yeah. Um, let's do life advice. Barnabas, we are not <laughs> in- experts on the Enneagram, but we are obsessed and therefore, we are qualified to give you advice on anything you're having uh, trouble with or need help with in your life. Well, uh, I'm going to follow the example of a six then and lean on you as trusted advisors to give me as advice. As you should. Yes. I think, yeah. I think you're qualified to give advice on everything. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Um, so my present life struggle is raising a almost 13 year old girl mm. which got this. is wonderful and more complex than anything i have ever done in my entire life <laughs> she, she is more complex than anything i've encountered in my entire life mm-hmm. so uh how how does one father a 13 year old girl well, almost wow 13. That is a broad question. That is a broad question. Okay, how does one resolve conflict with? Oh. And let's let's uh let, That's let's better. let's go narrower and more context specific, mm-hmm. especially when she argues just like me. Mm. So I am arguing with myself, except <laughs> in thirteen-year-old girl form. Yeah. Ready, go. Wow, I'm just thinking <laughs> back to being a thirteen-year-old myself. And Me too. <laughs> Richard was thinking back to being a girl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I actually, at one point in my life, found my old journals from when I was a wee little teenager, and they were so angsty and like awful. I burned them because I didn't want them to oh, exist man. anymore. <laughs> it was too embarrassing. I wrote a lot of poetry back in those days. Did you? Yeah. Did you play a lot of Wonderwall on the guitar and stuff too? Not Wonderwall, but okay. definitely some Smashing Pumpkins and Ooh, Bush yes. and stuff. Did you feel like a rat in a cage? Uh, despite all of my rage. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> that song was made for the 13-year-old boy. My, uh, I have advice. All right. Find someone else to convince <laughs> her of the thing you want to convince her of. Because it's kind of like... I think it like kind of like a marriage relationship. I've found that if I tell Jennifer to do something, she's like, idiot, shut up. <laughs> but then the minute like one other person tells her to do something, she's like, you know what? So-and-so said I should do. <laughs> and then she did that thing. Well, I remember, I remember that being the case for me. Like I remember being conscious of it at 13, 14, 15. We're like, yeah a youth leader or a teacher or a coach would be like, hey, you should work on this thing, this bad habit you have. And it was the same thing my mother had been telling me to do like 4,000 times. Yeah. And she was clearly an idiot in my mind. But when the coach said it, it was genius. So that makes yeah. a lot of sense. And I think it's pretty simple. You just bribe people. Like you don't <laughs> even, they don't even have to believe it. You just pay them money to say the thing you need them to say. Which which flows into my next 
advice, which is pick your battles. Otherwise, you'll go that's, broke. Yeah, that's what I was going to say <laughs> is are all of the things that you're arguing about, are they that important? So here's the difficulty with that one. Bears versus Eagles. She's a Bears fan. <laughs> the short answer is no, of course, they're not all important. Yeah. The problem is I don't pick all the fights. Oh. Mm. You know, it's mm. like, hey, we got to leave to go to school. And, mm-hmm. you know, she's like, no, I need to go change clothes or I need to change my hair or whatever. And I'm like, no, we need to leave right now and your hair Wait, so fine. it is that important. Well, what I mean, you're telling me is like getting to school in time is important, right? But she feels her hair is important. Right. So it, 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 so there's, there's, yes, we're valuing different things. I guess that's mm-hmm. most complex. Okay, so <laughs> let's, but, but there are a lot of instances where it's just a conversation about like she says something that's just, un, you know, she's uninformed. And I'm like, <laughs> mm, of course mm. she is. She's 13. She's 12, right. Yeah, no, it's 12. like, it's, it's very standard uninformed. It's not like, uh-huh. you know. And she was 13 a minute ago. I feel pretty confident. Well, she's almost 13. So she's <laughs> she's on the verge now of 13. Now get to the real truth. <laughs> so, or I'll say something and she'll respond with an uninformed response. And I'm like, I, she's, is it baiting me? Like, do I have to just go, mm, okay. Or do I correct her because she's wrong? Like, she's wrong about something, <laughs> something fairly, like, fairly... Like it, it's innocuous, but it might be beneficial to know. So it's how, not a moral thing. I don't how know. Did these... And then she argues with you after you oh, correct her. She's a hundred percent certain she's right about everything because Here's she's, what you do she's is, my child. <laughs> is you, if you feel like it's the kind of thing, like sometimes you, you know, people are saying like the word genre, but they're saying like Jenner, right? And you're, like, <laughs> you're gonna regret that eventually. So you have to tell them. What you do is you just correct once. You do one correction. If they go, no, you just go, all right, well, I told blood's you. off my hands. <laughs> <That's right>. mm-hmm. <laughs> your your also, blood is not on my hands. I'll use that. I'll start, I'll start using that line. Yeah. Child, your blood is not on my hands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Does she like, are these the kinds, maybe this is too personal. You don't have to answer this, but <laughs> is it the kind of conflict that will like end in her crying and slamming the door or something or is it just like kind of a playful argument that it's like uh you're both over it in a few minutes most are most are the latter not a lot of crying and slamming doors Mm -hmm. um you know occasionally it's the like occasionally that happens but not not too terribly often although it does seem to be increasing in frequency which is (laughs) that's frustrating too um Yeah. (laughs) yeah well and the problem is that since she argues like me, like there's sort of a no holds barred. Like we, you go toe to toe until you win, mm-hmm. and that uh, I don't find that to be a real productive method of parenting. Right. <laughs> Shocker. I know. Win at all costs. That's our advice. Win at all costs. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. yeah no. That's. I mean, that so seems emotionally healthy. Assuming <laughs> that you're an eight, we'll just assume that. Um, eights can be unaware of how intense their challenging abilities are. So maybe if it's not that necessary or it's getting, it's heading towards an ugly ending, just, I don't know, take it down a notch, like lower your (laughs) voice. I I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm 13 now and I'm getting parented. Take yeah. it down a notch. Take it down a notch. You're at an 11. Take it down to a six. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's actually really good advice. I just am not terribly good at it yet. Yeah. That's all right. I would, yeah, I would, I would really examine the stakes of whatever you're arguing mm-hmm. about and de- decide, if, decide if it's worth the, the real stakes because probably what you're really tied up in is, is, is kind of just like, Feel, I don't know like there's an element of like I gotta I gotta convince her but if the if the stakes aren't much more than like she's gonna be wrong period end of <laughs> end of the thing mm-hmm. then you can probably just like say one thing and if she says no then be like all right <laughs> blood's not on master my hand. that master that all right all right yeah, the right. the passive aggressive. I mean, you grew up in the south. Yeah, don't you're do ma- that. You're a master <laughs> passive aggressive, yeah, aren't you? I know, I know, I know. Yeah, I've definitely been annoyed at the. All right, <laughs> I hate that. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Yeah, I've heard that one before. <laughs> Don't do that. Just go. Okay. I need do to like be. That. I need to be a better predictor of what's going to turn into an argument too. <laughs> Like that's, yeah. that's the easy like if I could get better at yeah. that this whole thing goes away or not the whole thing but yeah. most of these because it's almost always just I said one thing and then you know her hackles go up and I'm like oh son of a gun like, what did I do <laughs> and here we go instead of yeah. just letting whatever you know letting sleeping dogs lie as they say mm-hmm. yeah well our condolences <laughs> that sounds hard <laughs> 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 Relationships in general are hard. It's not yeah. just kids. Yeah. So, well, thanks, Barnabas. Well, I think we're probably you. I think in you, the episode. Think you there. Solved my problem. Great. <laughs> <laughs> this is where the music comes in. This has been No Chill Enneagram. It is hosted and produced by Richard Clark and Bethany Perkins. Edited by Richard Clark. Theme music is Max Flashback by Lee Rosevere. We want to hear from you. If you're an Enneagram number 9, 4, 2, or 7, feel free to leave a review on iTunes. If you are a 6, please only do this if you trust us. If you are an 8 or a 1, please do not leave us a review on iTunes. But you can feel free to reach out to us on Twitter, where we'd love to be challenged by you or hear from your overflowing inner critic. Our Twitter handle is at NoChillEnneapod. That's at no chill any pod. Enneagram number five. Please include us in your next exhaustive list of hilarious podcasts. And threes. You can just give us credit after we inspire you to do whatever amazing thing you're going to do next. If you're a number one through nine and you haven't already, subscribe to this podcast wherever podcasts are subscribable. This is an area code podcast.